Hi there. This is episode 7 of Demise of the Crown. It's a different change of pace than the rest of the series. It's a lot of good stories that we haven't touched on yet. It's really just a good conversation that Julie and I had with Rachel, another student at King's. Before that, I just want to remind you about our finale, which airs next week. We would love to hear from you. If you were part of King's this past year during its death spiral, please, if you're willing, send us a little voice memo about what this post-closure time has been like for you. You can send those to demiseofthecrownpodcast at gmail.com. It would be greatly appreciated if you included your name. But yeah, send those as soon as possible. That's demiseofthecrownpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, now on to our conversation. I think that worked. <laughs> Hopefully that worked. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Everyone's making mouth noises. Hold it closer, like a microphone, Jules. We've been recording seven <laughs> podcasts, okay? I don't hold the microphone like this at this, all. This is how you do it. Okay. <laughs> um, Welcome back to Demise of the Crown. Oh, yeah. My name is Jules, a.k.a. Julia Jensen. Uh, my name is Colby, and we are joined by... Rachel Guerra. Awesome. Um, you heard from her a terrible. little bit in episode... Oh, what was four. it? Four. Was it episode four? Yeah. She was um, talking... She was the really good pull quote that said, at this point... I am void of hope. That was a good one. Period. Nice yeah, okay. I heard that a couple of times throughout the episode. I was like, love the soundbite. Yes. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do this episode. It's a little different um, in case you didn't realize already. This is episode seven. Uh, we're calling it pending. And really what we're doing is we're, we're taking a little bit of time to kind of talk more about the series in general. Um, episodes one through six. And our finale is going to air next week and that'll be kind of like the last word that you'll hear from us. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to start off, um, can we, can we go around? um, Let's go around the circle kids. (laughs) And you know what we're going to do? Icebreaker. We're going to say why we didn't go to college, but instead why we came to Kings. (laughs) I don't want to go first. Rachel. I'll go first. Okay. Rachel goes first. Oh, so there, there's honestly a myriad of reasons why I came to King's. You're such a King student. I know, that. I know. Who literally. else in this world says myriad? Literally nobody. <laughs> okay, get on. But anyway, I came to King's because of my mother primarily. She is a classical Christian head of school. It was either Greg Thornbury Ooh. or some other ex-King's president post-Thornbury, but pre-Gibson. 
if there was one. It probably it might have been. No, I think it was actually a pretty fast transition from Thornberry to Gibson. I could be wrong. Yeah, I thought that. So who it. It wasn't Gibson. It was before him. But anyway, she heard him speak and she was like, you have to go to this school. And at first I was hesitant to look at this school because, you know, she recommended it and I was 17. And then I like went to the school. I went to King's and I applied and I got in and I saw they had volleyball, which was a big plus. And I saw that they were a liberal arts program, which was a big plus because that was what I did in high school. That King's was always my number one choice after visiting it. I visited like Gordon and I visited Juniata College, just in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And none of them really spoke to me like in the way that King's did in terms of A, the mission or B, the um, like the way the campus felt. Huh. What about you? Sure. So I first heard about King's. Um, my... I was going to say my college. Um, My high school, tiny, tiny Christian high school, they have a Christian college for every year. And my sophomore year, I remember seeing a table for Kings and they had the best graphics out of any, any of the colleges, like for real. Their stand was gorgeous. And I believe his name was Kobe. Um, He was a student body president. Um, And he was there. Yeah, the one before Brent. Yes. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Um, and he gave me a bunch of info, and I was like, well, you know, I would I would never go to New York. Like, I would never be allowed to do that by my parents. Um, fast forward, my three schools I was between were Cairn, Patrick Henry College, and King's. Um, I ended up going to Patrick Henry for two days. Then I ended up going to Cairn for a semester. And I didn't really know if I wanted to stay at Cairn or whether I wanted to go somewhere else. But I was kind of like, what the heck am I doing? Um, I didn't want to stay there. It was really boring. So I went to visit Kings and I, it just didn't really appeal to me. But then when I came home, I was like, you know what? I just can't stay here in Pennsylvania. Um, I got to move away from home and stuff. Another stuff was going on in my life that made it easier for me to just be somewhere else. So I made the jump. I transferred to Kings and I was there for three semesters. Let me ask you this. Um, why didn't you choose Kings at first? Sure. So apart from a little bit of me being scared of being in the city, um, when I visited, I, I absolutely hated DeVos and I was scared because they're like, yeah, who wouldn't, <laughs> they're like, you don't get to pick your house. So you might have to just be here. And I was like, well, I don't want to be here. I can see the floor tilting. <laughs> and then the second thing was I sat in Dr. Griffith's APTAP 2 class and the conversation between him and a student was about gender theory and oh, yeah. I so ardently disagreed with the students um, mm. I felt like as a right-leaning person maybe I would be not like the word persecuted but you know not maybe respected or liked as much I thought it was very liberal so that's why I didn't go. Little did we know. Little did we know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I too thought it was it was more liberal than it was. Um, I I moved to New York um, in July of twenty one to finish last year of high school, um, and I met this couple at church, um, and they were Kings alum, and they said, "Colby, you gotta go to this crazy little Christian college." in downtown Manhattan and 
it was at the point where I didn't have any next steps on what college is going to look like. So it was, it was like the first college I ever toured. Um, I'm wondering if you guys did this as well. Is it the only college you applied to? No. Okay, no? No. Okay. I've heard that from a couple of people that King's was the only college they applied I to. I've also heard that from um, multiple people. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's a thing, but I, yeah. I did that. And then... Um, Bad idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> in Just high, in general. Well, like... <laughs> like, always apply to other places. You we're, never know. We're also talking it's after It's a waste of money with those... Has, yeah, like, I'm going to get into Liberty. I'm not going to pay for the fee. Fair. I, mm. So I understand. I understand both sides. Hmm. Well, I, I, I applied to one, and so I got in in, like, November. I, I went for the Founders Scholarship. Um, I was, like, full into it. I, I um, yeah, I was just, like, on board day one. I thought it was more liberal than it was, but um, that wasn't the worst um, surprise. Do you so. feel like your views were still respected? Yeah, I think there was a pretty good... Um, I think at the beginning I was I was overcome with fear that my views wouldn't be respected, but the more I talked with the people, I think it became clear that my views were going to be respected, even if I didn't agree with um, the professors on everything or the textbooks on everything. Yeah, um, I feel the same. I actually think, like, I've seen this a lot on LinkedIn recently. I don't know if you saw this, too. Is Love a LinkedIn. Lot, <laughs> is a lot of people are saying, like, we just need kings to... It wasn't a lot of people. It was one guy in particular who said, we just need to bring back Kings as a professedly conservative liberal college. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Dr. Bradley went crazy. Yeah, Dr. Bradley was like... Bradley clapped back. He He really really did. did. (laughs) And the guy tried to pull out the, I worked for Kings, and then Bradley was like, well, I worked for Kings, too. Yeah, for like 13 years. Um, Yeah. I think one of the best parts about Kings is that it teaches um, students, but doesn't force them to conform to a specific political ideology. I think that's one of its greatest virtues. I agree. Um, 100%. And I think that's what a liberal arts education should be doing, is making sure that the students are learning things. Um, it's but, how to think, not what to think. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Blander was talking about that in medieval oh, yeah? last, what was he last semester. He was talking about literally the entire purpose of the liberal arts education was like you know to present the material... And help you to understand it, but to inform your own opinions about it. Mm. That's like the whole whole point. Yeah. Instead of to indoctrinate you. Well, now, I think now that we know how we first came to Kings, um, where do we where do we start? What, what's the what's the first thing in chronological order? Um, I think I can think of so many jumping off points. Did, was there anything in the first episode that we didn't cover that you? thought we needed to Rachel about like the very beginning of the semester in January and February no honestly I think it was pretty holistic okay so there was this one thing that happened in what was it mid-February late February yeah around there so Julia tell us what happened sure so and I'll give my opinion from my side of the story I know Rachel has um, sort of this other side as an athlete. Um, but as someone who lived on a certain floor of the building, there was a staff member who also lived on that floor of the building. Um, and, you know, she was very friendly with all of us and we all really liked her company and, you know, we were all like friends with her. Um, we kind of became worried in this time in February. Um, this was post Stockwell giving those those speeches. Yes. So yes. we were already oh we were already kind of like, hmm, 
There weren't guarantees. No, there were no guarantees of us, of anything. Mm -hmm. So as we often did with this uh, staff member, um, we sat in the hallway. We were all just talking, chatting about our lives. um, And, you know, the the kind of, of course, everyone's talking about, you know, are we going to make it? Like, what's going on? Why don't we have answers? And so she starts talking about how, you know, she was surprised we even got this semester at all. And she alluded to us only having about two weeks before, you know, we couldn't stay open. We just couldn't keep the lights on. Wait, hold on. What? Two weeks? Yeah. She, oh, she yeah. starts saying like this two weeks number. And then it turned like to maybe a, by the end of the month, we won't make it past spring break. Spring break, break. Oh, spring break became the big one after, um, after we contacted some people and people started to backpedal a little bit. Uh-huh. Some of these staff members. But yeah, it was like. No, we're closing, and it's in, like, days. Oh, my gosh. So so it kind of just, like, went all the way off a cliff from not guaranteed to certainly closing. Yeah. Soon. And this freaked everyone out. Like, people were crying. Dude. People yeah. were in tears. Um, and it was also like, oh, well, you you know, don't tell anybody. But, it's but everyone like, knew. Everyone knew. New sports facet kings. You're not going <laughs> to keep that to yourself when your friends are suddenly going to be out of a school in two weeks, mm-hmm. hypothetically. Mm-hmm. I was approached by the other staff member because he was, um, him and I were really close because he was my coach mm-hmm. for volleyball. And he was like, hey, you know, we have been talking for a while about just like state of the school and like how bad things were looking, especially for recruitment for athletes, since I was at that time also the student athletic advisory committee president. So like I had a big role in the athletics department. And we, he, he was like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And it's really urgent. Like that was the only text that I got. And I was like, well, that's terrifying. Uh And so I go into his office and I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, you're freaking me out. Can you just give me a, can you give me, like, can you just tell me what's going on? And he's like, Hey, I think the school's going to close. And I was sat there. I talked to him for two hours and I sat there and I was like, you're really scaring me. Like, are you serious? Like, this can't be real. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, it's it's pretty certain. And I have, I feel like I have a moral obligation to tell you. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very clear on it being a moral issue for him mm-hmm. to be able to, like, tell people to get out before everything shut down. Yeah. Which, from his perspective, I get. But also, from our perspective, it was very alarming. And... It, w- yeah, it was me, coming out more, of left field. Tell me more about, like, in the moment, this felt like just not, at, like, a reputable source. I, mean, I almost source. had a full <laughs> panic attack. We so. were at a loss for words. We just went into the stairwell together. We told each other, like, both of what we had heard from the different members. And we just sat there crying for, like, an hour because we were like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no way this could be happening. Is that, is that, I, I want to... Is that the question that was going through your head? Like, there's no way this is happening? Not, what do we do next? It was a question over, are they right or not? No, it was like, shock. Like, there's no way that this is happening. Okay, okay. Yeah, and it was also a shock thing, but also my brain immediately went to, okay, so then what do I have to do to transfer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was literally the next thing. There's a practical aspect. Yes. But I was like, no, this isn't isn't real. And so I was, I mean, we were both angry too. It's not like you're just like. So annoying. We weren't just cowering, crying. We were like pissed. Mm -hmm. So I was never not pissed. Who are you pissed at? So many people. (laughs) I was personally pissed off at the staff members because I did not believe what they were saying was true and that 
the the school wouldn't tell us these things. Mm, I thought they were just causing panic because Mm, they themselves were going to be out soon so they could just get away with it. Who are you mad at? I was mad at the school for not telling us. Like, yeah. So I think the staff members were already looking for other jobs. Mm -hmm. And they... I have a softer view, I think, when it comes to those two people. Because I spent a lot of time with them. Like, they drove... They literally drove us to volleyball games. And we had... I had so much fun. I got lost in Jersey with both of them. Like, as a team. They're great people. Which was so... Which honestly was fun. Like, we... I just have so many great memories with both of them. And, you know, I wouldn't... I honestly wouldn't change that for the world. But I think that the way that they told select people mm-hmm. and like especially the one staff member whose office was literally on the hallway floor you could see people just going in and out yep. like coming in scared coming out crying yep. and then like the next person would go in and they're all from this one staff member's house yes. mm-hmm. so all of them were like put in a position where they either felt burdened to tell other people because now it was their duty to spread the word basically or they felt either guilty because of the information that they had that they didn't feel like it was their like place to share that or they felt more you know more important because they knew something that not everyone mm-hmm. else did so like it sounds like just a terrible just, situation all around. i would rather have had that information come directly from administration but uh-huh. as we already know they didn't communicate with us very clearly at all yeah. ever mm-hmm. so i want to know where they got the two weeks from <laughs> i want to know where the two weeks came from too i'm sure they extrapolated it from a staff meeting yeah. that is the only reason that's yeah. the only thing that i have been able to think about I, yeah i i i didn't experience this so i can't speak to it but i don't think it was from the research i've done on this topic it didn't sound like that was a thing anyone was willing to go on the record to say um so it could have just been an estimate which is just a bonkers thing to mm-hmm. to say as certain is an estimate yeah one other thing um well there's a bunch of other things but <laughs> Okay, so we've kind of, this is after um, the whistle was blown, there was a panic starting to leak through the student bodies. One thing kind of was a shining moment uh, that we didn't get to touch on in episode four, and that was the letters project. Oh, do you guys want to talk about that? What do you, what do you think of that? D- does someone want to explain it first? Yeah, well, I was actually the second person to submit a letter. Yeah, you were. Okay, tell, tell um, me what the letter I know, I was among the to top, top 20. I, I didn't really spend that much time on it, which I regret now. But it's still up. I still go back and read them sometimes. Yeah, me what too. What is the TKC Letters Project? Was a project that Matthew Peterson and Aiden Abelson, who were two... And Eli Johnson. And Eli Johnson, mm-hmm. who were three of our freshmen from the House of Bonhoeffer, I mm, believe. Nope, two C.S. Lewis and one Bonhoeffer. Okay, so there was two C.S. Lewis's <laughs> and one Bonhoeffer. I knew Matthew was a Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. so that's where I got that from. And they thought, they came up with this idea to create a website that has a bunch of staff, faculty, alumni, and student letters writing about how much the school meant to them and what, um, like what the school has done for them in their careers. So... They had a great campaign. Like, there are so many letters on there. Mm-hmm. And they had links to donate. And they came up with this idea, I think, at a Shake Shack, which is what the, the website says, mm-hmm. which is so cool. And they went to um, 
Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Dr. Kimberly Reef. Yes, Dr. Reef. Mm-hmm. And they proposed this to her since she was the head of the business department and she was all for it and she helped she was a big part in helping them get that off the ground. And it was just a very meaningful way for people to handwrite either handwrite letters or type yeah. them. They would send them to Matthew or Aiden or Eli and they would put them on the website along with a headshot and where like what year they were and from which era of kings they were from and some of them are incredibly personal some of them like mine are more analytical I would honestly go back and rewrite my note to make it a lot more personal because after just going through that whole thing it is crazy to like go back and read that and then realize how much more I wanted to say. And it's really beautiful. It's pretty. It's like a pretty website and then the, like the letters themselves are beautifully written. Um I mean like leave it to kings to like produce really great writers. Mm-hmm. Um form of the good. Yeah, Amen. for real. So they have faculty on there, they have um students, they have alumni. <laughs> Is that true? We're looking mm-hmm. at it right now. There's a bunch of funny pictures. Um, yeah, if, so if you, if you have any, um, thoughts about, if you have any doubts that, um, this school is beloved by those involved, um, the TKZ Letters Project will prove you wrong. Um, yeah. Do do you guys have any more opinions about that? Any things to say? Um, everyone should go look at it. It's honestly a beautiful testament to what the school does and who it has touched yeah i think like going back and reading occasionally even though the school died even even though that has all occurred and right now like there doesn't seem to be hope like because all of these things that people have written about did happen Mm. like that's enough and honestly the way that it was this was done by freshmen yeah. It's is very insane. impressive. Yeah. Is honestly is so crazy. And they'd only to been me. there for yeah, like they a had year. literally only been there for four months, and they they felt so strongly about the school that they wanted to create an entire website dedicated to, like, the perspectives of all of the different people that it's touched, which is just absolutely crazy. One of the other one of the other ways that um, people tried to use their resources and their reach to save kings was oh yeah was Here called tkc nfts <laughs> no we're I'm not joking um, oh, my this goodness. was an nft um drop by a company called spiritual beans mm-hmm. julia can you tell us more? yeah so it is actually um spiritual beings is an nft i guess company uh run by the mom of a student who was in our house actually and she has made a ton of money doing NFTs, and so she wanted to do her part um, by creating an NFT collection of um, these really pretty drawn skeletons. And people can buy the NFTs, and all the money, um, I think a third of it, goes to Kings. And if all of them from the collection sold, they would get the $2.6 million that we needed. Um, so as an incoming house president, I got an email from Jody. Um, and to push and advertise for these. Um, it wasn't really like a huge thing, but 
it's just an interesting initiative to show again that even parents are willing to go the extra mile to do some crazy stuff to get us what we need yeah i think it was um it just came at a <laughs> a time when everyone was kind of freaking out and um thinking about next steps and tkc nfts were not what i was expecting this <laughs> so much to come from no. um i'm sorry to those who were really involved I, and they're expensive i didn't take them seriously enough they're like 900 dollars um, each and there you go and we're saying this now where nfts are like really not doing well <laughs> so i don't think we ever got 2.6 million um, no. From <laughs> I don't no. know. No. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, that was one of the things we didn't touch on. We didn't really know what, where to put that. Um, yeah, but honestly, even just like that publicity too of like, hey, Kings is kind of struggling, like to reach that that kind of corner of the yeah. market, is, is interesting. Yeah. We got our tentacles everywhere. <laughs> I mean, because at this at this point at this point there was a lot of press about it. Did you guys feel, what, what were your feelings about the press? Well, I was in, on TV. In hindsight, that's true. In <laughs> like, hindsight, yeah. That's true. You were on NBC News. I was on NBC News. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'll say about the media in general covering the story, like, no outlet pinned the, you know, death spiral of Kings on one thing. Mm. Different outlets pointed different fingers to different people or reasons that we were closing. There was no clear narrative as to why this is happening. And do you think that was a good thing or a bad thing? I think it was unhelpful. Mm. Um, when you're telling people, like, we need money, but you're not really saying how we got that place in the first... How we got there in the first place. Like, New York Times is saying, like, one thing, and then there's the Think About Peter Chung article mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it, it kind of, like, the situation begged for, like, a, just a one-size-fits-all villain and we don't have that and we don't have that in the story we definitely don't but it also kind of mirrors what we were thinking and going through at the same time where no one was giving us as students a straight answer either yeah so i just like looking back on it it's kind of crazy to see like how all of these different media outlets are tackling this issue and then we as students were also facing the same thing but from the inside and looking at these articles being like nobody knows what's really going on when we ourselves didn't know what was going on at all can can yeah exactly the straight answer thing Tell me about the finishing well. Oh. <laughs> oh, she's got thoughts. The finishing well when I Do you remember this part? Where they say Okay, let we me need tell you one of the most infuriating things I've finish... ever heard in my life. Okay, I got in heated you wanna explain before I go into sure. it? Sure. Okay. You heard it in episode one. Oh, so Kimberly good. Reeve, um, and Jennifer I mean, we're not gonna put this on one staff member or the other. This was an institutional decision to say that they needed two point six million dollars not to complete the semester but to, quote, finish well. And that was, as you said, incredibly infuriating. Yeah, I have other words for it, but I don't think I can say them (laughs) on this podcast. I would love to hear them. Go ahead. We'll get the the late night podcast going. Then we can (laughs) say some words. (laughs) After hours. (laughs) Casey, after hours. Demise after dark. Oh! Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uncensored and un... Bothered. <laughs> we haven't censored a single that's swear true. word on our podcast yeah, yet, true. so maybe that was irresponsible. But other words, quickly. Well, I got in arguments with my roommates over this. Oh my gosh! I got because my my that was my theory was as I implied when I asked the question to Kimberly Reeve mm-hmm. in the meeting was, well, finish well just means finish, like. And that is what... Yeah, like, what the hell does that, that mean? That is what she ended up confirming. But people genuinely thought, like, oh, no, it means finish well. 
So if we get that money, we'll have extra. It'll be bonus. It'll be like we're finishing better than we would if we had $1 million. The naivete. They're not thinking if you have $1 million, you can't finish at all. You need the $2.6 million to finish, period. Mm -hmm. Did they finish? Do you think they finished in our idea of... Let me see the receipts. Is everyone paid? (laughs) Ooh, that's the question. Oh, damn. That's the question. I mean, the lights were kept on. Mm -hmm. People got their degrees. There was a graduation. Dare I not say well. I don't think they finished well. (laughs) But what does that even mean? We literally went to an institution that tried to use philosophy in order to define what well is, and you can't define it yourself? Like, I can't... Hey, they couldn't define justice either, and here we are. No, they couldn't define justice. No, but we did. (laughs) No, but the way that the way that Plato did, <laughs> Plato did define justice, eventually. just not like satisfactorily. Exactly. He said, eventually, he said, exactly. justice it's... is the way things ought to be. No, it's... and then the immediate next question is, well, the... what the hell does that mean? No, 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 no. the form of the good. No, no, no. no. Doctor Blander was talking about this <laughs> in medieval. I really, I really have kept all of that class at the top of my brain because uh-huh. of that class was you're just so formative. For this no, because he was really mad at our class. Because I was also in his Foundations of Philosophy class where he was like, Plato defines justice and this is what it is. And none of us, none of us remembered. Mm. So now I remember it. Because it's the same thing with macroeconomics where Dr. Pinson said he would cry if we didn't understand how inflation was caused at the end of our years at King's. Damn. He literally was like, I will shed tears about this because nobody gets it right on the... Like the, the end of your assessments. I, I really want to... Which is funny. Transition... There were professors that did let people cry in class. Yeah, professors oh. cried. Professors cried. Yeah, I remember I had New Testament with Dr. White. And the mm. first 15 minutes of all the classes in this time after Stockwell's speech were him sitting in his rolling chair, oh. sitting with us. There were only six of us in class. And he said, you guys aren't getting answers. I'll try to give you any if I can. And it was painful, and it was sad, and I felt for him and his family, and I know he felt for us and our situation, and it was just, it was, it was like therapy. No, literally. (laughs) That was our therapy. And also shout out to Esther, the real therapy. God bless her. She put up with so many of us who were so freaked out with such grace and like just in a beautiful way. Patience. Yes. But between her and the professors, we really were able to to talk things through. Because the thing was that the professors are going through this as well because they don't mm. have a they don't they didn't have a job at the end of the year, no. and they weren't being told that. They were being kept on the hook just as much as we were. Yeah. So they were going through the same feelings of like, do I have to find a job? They just like were in the total same boat. So I really respect a lot of the faculty that just they like realize that school comes after being human. Um, so, yeah, shout out to shout out to the faculty. No, literally every single one of my professors at the start of all of this craziness, even Dr. Tubbs, who, if you know him, like he is, you know, he's very logical he's, and he is he's very... He's he, one of the hardest professors at King's. He kept the standards from the 1900s where, like, you know, the times where, Larv, where Harvard was still requiring Latin and Greek to get into their schools. Like, he was that intense about what grade you should get and what you deserve and even he spent an hour with us in class one on one class talking about kings and what was next and we had christian stempert in the room 
too, because he was like auditing the class since, you know, staff members could occasionally do that. Mm -hmm. And um, Christian was just trying to also help us out. So like even like that kind of professor who like expects so much from us as students also took the time and had like the empathy to really engage with us in a very meaningful way about how this was making us feel and how this was making him feel because he told us many times throughout the class like hey like you know I'm really behind on papers because I've been trying I've been calling donors all weekend trying to get people to donate this poor man was he was like yeah I'm you know and he's older too so he was like yeah I've been like really sick and I haven't been able to get out of bed to grade papers so you guys just kind of have to bear with me with all of this so we I think there was a mutual understanding between the students and the professors about giving grace, but also like trying to keep some semblance of an academic standard because that's what we were here there to do at the end of the day. We weren't here to, you know, cry about kings as much as it hurt us. We were there to learn. Mm-hmm. And even though that like that semester was awful, I think that was the semester I learned the most. Mm-hmm. I took I had a hard semester, but it was the most that I've ever learned in my entire life. Mm. And I would not change that semester for anything because of what I learned. Mm. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I'd just like to talk about the day that Kings closed because I was on campus. Oh my gosh. Tell me more. It was terrible. Wait, so let's back up. This is absolutely terrible. This is when? July 17th, 2023. That was a rough day for other reasons. Yes. Um, Yeah, my car got broken into. Um, we had to call the police. It was a crazy day. Yeah. But anyway, before that all happened, Rachel and I were like, oh, you know, we're going to be in the city. We should go visit King's. And it just so happened that we heard that the faculty meeting was happening that day. Mm-hmm. And um, we jumped the turnstiles. Yeah, we did. There was no one at the desk. We went up there. We waited for the meeting to be over. There were a couple other people there. And um, without telling us any information, we gathered from the professors um it was over and we spent the next hour saying goodbye to them crying laughing talking about memories while they were there packing up their offices oh my gosh it was so sad letting us take whatever we wanted um emptying out the whole back space wow and yeah it was really sad um and really final yeah. Um, Did it feel like there was any hope that Kings would come back? No. No. It was just, no, it literally was This over. was that evening. It, it was, was announced that they were yeah. not opening. So. Right. I mean, like, sorry, future, like, if it dies now, can it resurrect in, like, a year or two? There wasn't anything I don't about? think anyone was even thinking about that. Okay. I think everyone was thinking, where am I going to have a job? Hmm. I think that was, that was, it was so melancholy. Yeah. Hmm. And like professors hugging each other everyone was in tears yeah i have never seen more people actually adults adult men (laughs) in tears than i ever have in my entire life and it was absolutely heartbreaking because yeah we can transfer but you know this was everyone's first choice it was some for some people it wasn't but this is you know where they ended up anyway and i honestly don't think that it again was an accident that we all ended up here or why jules and i ended up being on campus the literal day it was closing Hmm. with the people that were there because it's just it was so sad it was very emotional on campus and they actually 
had closed the building to students. Yeah. So we were there and we were not supposed to be there. People told us like all. you're not supposed People to be like, here. People were like you like you cannot be here. Like you have to leave Who because they this? thought because the, the people would think that you know came, the students would come in and start like taking the interregnum cup. They had pictures People were already there with signs that said do not take anything that isn't yours. Do not take anything that isn't yours everywhere. Mm-hmm. Cuz all the old king stuff, like I sent you that picture, yeah. laid out in the library, uh-huh. things from like the 30s, Whoa. all of king's history just sprawled on the library table. Huh. And people were taking things. Yeah. I don't know where the interregnum cup went. Nope. <laughs> or the house cup or our banners. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're probably hopefully in storage somewhere. Yeah, it was it was a crazy day and mm-hmm. we it was just like everyone was cleaning out offices and we we went over to our house advisor Denise's and we just looked at each other and we were like, well, don't know when I'm going to see you again. Mm-hmm. And we all yeah. started crying. Hmm. It was terrible. Yeah. And remember Rachel left, um, she took Dr. Blander's chair and I stayed <laughs> oh gosh, and I, I talked with Dr. Hershey for a while and was like, oh, we're going to keep in touch. And... I went down the employee elevator, I stepped outside, and I started crying. Mm-hmm. On I just walked down Wall Street crying, and then I went to Chick-fil-A, got a Chick-fil-A sandwich, and I said, PRS, and then, yeah, that was just a And then what day. happened? Who did you meet right after that? Oh, gosh, yeah. That was, it was, I was so in, many things happened that day. I was in the park with Graham, eating my Chick-fil-A, really sad, and I ran into these three ladies. And they're like, oh, we're doing a survey. I'm in tears, but I'm like, sure, I'll do your survey. Take my mind off it. So we're there talking about, oh, we go to the school called Kings. And they're like, oh, we know. And it turns out they were three women getting their master's degrees at Alliance. And they said, we're going through the same thing. And they took our hands and we all started praying. I'm going to start crying thinking about it. We were crying and it was just like the craziest moment because... We knew they knew, and like, there's no way that that just happened. Um, Especially on that day, at that time, in Battery Park. In Battery Park, yeah, hundred percent. So that was a touching moment. Tune in next week for episode eight, and that will be the final word from Demise of the Crown.
Demise of the Crown podcast is a production of Broadway and Exchange and the Empire State Tribune. Special thanks to Marian Orea, our executive editor, Mindy Huspin, our managing editor, Rob Bruder, Angelina Espier, Matthew Peterson, Rachel Guerra, and all who under their time and voice for this project.